0: And then if you could put a finger over in Romans 12, we'll be there in just a minute. Today I want to talk to you about setting your course. Setting your course. Um, can you reset the timer for me? Um. Yes, thank you. I need some time. Setting your course. In Ephesians 5, starting at verse 15, says, "...be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil." Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. I know, don't be distracted now. But you need to write down these scriptures, because every week I'm going to give you scriptures, and every week I want you to be good stewards, go home, and look up the scriptures. And then there will be a test the next week. And those that pass will get, I don't know. I could, yeah, I could put chocolate out here. Hmm. Yeah, because there's nothing more motivating to me than sitting beside somebody who's eating chocolate. And I want it. Or beef jerky, right? Oh, I know. Smell it now. Sweet aroma. I'm sorry. I'm already distracted, so I figured let's just get all the distractions out, and then we'll jump back into the Word. All right, everybody have your pen, you have your note cards. Uh, What was the scripture we just read? Oh, you're so good. The ones in the back are like, what? Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. And now we're going to read Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. It says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, remember, when you read a therefore, it's there for a reason. Go back and find out what it is. And he was just saying um, in verse 36 from him through him and to him are all things created forever to him be the glory. Therefore I urge you brothers in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual or your reasonable because of what you just heard. Shouldn't you at least do this? This is your spiritual, your reasonable act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your minds then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Father, we just ask that you continue as you have already this morning to just till up the soil of our hearts right now. To receive your word like a seed planted well, watered well. And God, we just Offer to you, God, our whole life as a pleasing offering, a sacrifice to you because of all you've already done for us. Let our life be that well-planted seed that's a display of your glory and your goodness and your love for the world to see and come to know you, to be able to taste and see how good you are. In Jesus' name. Uh, That verse 2 in the New Living Translation reads, Don't copy the pattern, behavior, customs of this world, the world's way of thinking and the world's way of doing things, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know, to test and approve as correct what God's will is for you and his will for you is good, pleasing, and perfect. I love that. Setting your course is laying down spiritual disciplines that are unmovable in your life by circumstances, problems, situations, like Sally Jo was explaining to us. They are unmovable. Don't wait. For your flesh to feel like reading the Bible before you start reading. Don't wait for an unction in your body to begin praying before you start praying. Don't wait for your, you know, will to want to obey God. If you're waiting for your flesh... Let me just tell you now, your flesh will never lead your spirit into life. It actually works in opposition to it. You don't feel like doing, don't do that. I mean, let's just be honest. How many feel like getting up at 5 o'clock in the morning, getting ready and, and coming in? To work or to church or let's just, anywhere, right? No. But what do we know? We know we need to do that. Uh, Let's just be really honest for a second, and maybe this applies more to the younger ones, who really wants to eat, yeah, because the older guy, I just heard in my mind all the guys saying, I do, but I mean, you're looking at a, a cookie or broccoli, I know the guys are like, oh, I don't. well, I was going to say meat and potatoes, but I'm kind of like, uh, I don't know. Sometimes I want meat and potatoes more than I do a cookie. But, but broccoli, it's like, you know, you know, no contest. Cookie. But if I constantly eat cookies because that's what I want, what good will that do for me? That's why Jesus says it's very important that you What? You carry your cross. You learn that every day is going to be a crucifying the flesh. Romans 8 is humongous. And that whole, if you're going to live by the spirit, you have to have your mind set on what the spirit desires. Why? Because your flesh will not lead you into life. Your flesh is always trying to pull you this way. And your spirit saying, no, you need to go this way. So don't wait to feel. Setting your course is setting these spiritual disciplines again as unmovable. Unmovable. They will keep you on course through it all. Let me assure you, when you became a Christian or if you're ready to make a decision or you're thinking about making a decision to give your life to God, you will have troubles. You will have troubles. You will come face to face with things that are unexplainable. Um, You will go through things, you know, where it seems like, you know, the whole world just turned on me. But you can make it through every one of them. It's a promise of his. You know, I used to believe that that scripture that says, um, he will not let you be tempted above what you can bear, but with every temptation he'll what? Make a way of escape. I used to believe that meant that that's a side door, get out of there. But the more I study his word, it's not. Because like in Isaiah 43, I think it is, he says, through it all, I'll be with you, through it all, that he's already made that light at the end of the table, or tunnel, not table, but tunnel. He's already made a way out of this valley of the shadow of death, continue to walk through it. It's not for you to jump out. What's that going to solve? What's that going to fix? Nothing. What's that going to develop in you? If you constantly keep bailing whenever a little trouble arises, there's nothing that can be developed in you. I think it was in James chapter 1 that says, perseverance must finish its work in you. Remember, we studied the word perseverance and it means how you go through severe trials. Severe. And how you go through. Not that you're whining and crying and rolling your way and kicking and throwing a fit. Oh, I'm going through a trial again. You know? And then Jesus is kind of like, you ever have a kid where, you know, okay, I'll just be real honest. It was Isaiah. He was young, maybe three, four, five years old. He was old enough to hold conversations with me. We was into Walmart. And he was just misbehaving. And I kept telling him, right here, buddy, right here. You know, hold my hand right here. One more time, I'm going to take you to the bathroom. One more time, I'm taking you to the bathroom. Well, it was one more time. I said, come on, we're going to the bathroom. I wasn't, come on, let's go to the bathroom. I'm like, come on, let's go. So he starts this, two feet down, spread out. Don't beat me. I'm like, because what would parents say? I'm going to beat your butt, boy, you know? And I'm like, shut up. I'm not going to beat you. Shut up, you know? But what do we do? We start going through trials and we start, no. And Jesus is like, what are you doing? We're going, I'm with you. You're going to be okay. And we're like, no. Come on, so perseverance must finish its work. How you go through the severe trial must finish its work in you so you'll be what? What does it say? Mature, complete, not lacking anything. I don't know about you. That's what I want. That's what I need. That's what I, that's my reasonable act of worship back to God, for all he's done, shouldn't I be to the place where I trust him so fully that I can go through whatever and know he's with me and he's already got a way out of this for me or through it? Stop saying out of it. A way through it for me? It was Isaiah 43 that says, Fear not, I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the, the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. When you walk through through. I mean, think about it. It was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that they stood there at the face because they wouldn't bow to the idol. They stood there at the face of that, blurny, that blazing furnace and the king says, you're going to bow or you're going in there. And they said, you know what? God's able to deliver us from your hand because we'll serve him and him alone. And he tells us not to bow. To anything else. And so king we're not going to bow. He's able to save us. But even if he doesn't. We're not bowing. Unmovable. In these disciplines if you will. How they. That I'll talk to you about today. And probably more next week. How you think. How you see. What you say. And what you do. Unmovable. Unmovable. God is able, but even if he doesn't. And we all, I'm, most of us, I should say, I shouldn't just assume we all do. The story goes, they were thrown in. King stands up, looks in there, and there's not three in the fire anymore. There's four. And he says, the fourth one looks like, what? The son of God. And so he yells at the guys, hey dudes, come back out. And so they walk back out. And just like Isaiah 43 says. That did not set them ablaze. They didn't even smell like smoke. And then the king starts declaring. To the whole world. The God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Even though they face death. They wouldn't bow to anyone else but him. And he's the one who will all serve. But unmovable. See, no matter what you're going to go through, you will go through things. You will face things. You have to get these unmovable disciplines that will set your course like a, and I almost, I, I looked up some, you know, nautical terms and some aviation terms, because this, they do, they both have the same type of type of terms, that you can set a course that we're going from destination A to destination B, but you have to at times um, set a heading, which means you're taking in consideration, you know, airplane, the wind, and the the ships have to take in consideration the current, the waters and stuff. So they're they're heading, even though they might need to go from point A to point B, which is 90, you know, degree, whatever, they have to adjust it a little bit so that they can go through their circumstances and still get to where their, their designation. They know that... Even though they want to go this way, they might have to head that way so that the wind can bring them back around this way. So, even though their reasoning is, no, I want to go that way, they have to rely on their instruments, the panels, the instructions that, yeah, if you want to get there, you've got to head that way. Be unmovable. Unmovable in these disciplines, and the first one we'll look at it has to has to start with how. It's how you think and how you see, kind of like following a recipe that says um, cook the pasta on the stove. It's impossible to do the what correctly until you know the how. When you know the how, you can do the what. Um, If I tell you, um, well, like the Bible tells us, I think it's in Philippians 4, where it says, think on these things. You ever read that and constantly, you know, feel like you're beating yourself? Stop thinking about that think on these things. Stop, stop, think, 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 stop thinking, think, think, stop. You're trying to do the what without first getting the how down. We have to get the how so that we can then do the what. How you think. He says don't conform any longer to how the world thinks. But let God transform you. Why? By changing the way or how you think. So how does he want us to think? Real simple. We have been given the mind of Christ. If we've been given the mind of Christ, why in the heck would we try to keep thinking from our own mind? You know, it's kind of like, here is the brain of a professor, and here's your second grade brain. Do you want to solve this problem with your second grade brain? Or the brain of a professor? You know, it's like, uh, duh, you know. Why do we keep doing that? He says, I've given you the mind of Christ. Christ. So why are you trying to reason these things out in your own mind? He says, don't even rely on your own understanding. But lean on his understanding. How do we lean on his? Because we have his mind. Well, yeah, but unless I can figure it out, well, then you're just falling into the pattern of the world's way of doing things. And the best you're going to get is the world's best. You're like, well, that's good enough for me. Well, like Pastor Neil was sharing, you know, it's all going up, flames, smoke, usually, or in somebody else's account. You can't take it with you. How you think? It was First Corinthians two sixteen. Look that up. That's how we think. The mind of Christ. You've been given the mind of Christ, and then thinking from His wisdom. God said, James 1.5 says, God will give, if you lack wisdom, ask God. And I love it that he says he'll give it liberally. Liberally, without finding fault. Which means you don't have to be the best of the best, the goody two shoes, and able to use or to receive his wisdom. He said, ask. So he's given us the mind of Christ and his wisdom. Why in the world do we try to figure things out in our own human mind, limited? Think about it. That's limited. Our earthly mind is limited to what we can, our senses. What we see, what we feel, what we can touch. That's it. That's all our mind can do. His mind is beyond. His mind is what is, uh, where it says that what is seen is not created by what is seen, but what is unseen. All that you see is not created by what you can see. All you see has been created by what you cannot see. You're like, oh, I know, I'm trying to figure that out. His kingdom's realities are more real than our earthly realities. That's why the resurrected Jesus, which he says as he is, so are we now in this world. The resurrected Jesus could walk through walls and yet be touched. Could appear and disappear here and there... Yet, sit down and eat a meal. Because these earthly realities bow to the unseen kingdom. His heavenly realities. We have to start thinking with his mind, with his wisdom. And let me just say this. I know I hit this one all the time take control of your thoughts. Stop allowing these random uncontrolled thoughts. They just open doors to confusion, chaos, half-truths and ultimately unbelief. Where you they'll create highways in your neural pathways, I think they're called, in your brain. They create highways in your brain and you won't even know you're believing a lie. Because somebody came during the altar last week. Somebody came up and said while you were preaching a light came on and I had been believing a lie. Like God had given me this sickness and I needed to deal with it. And I know that can't be true. Darn right that can't be true. You know, and I can give you a thousand scriptures that show you God's good, pleasing, perfect will for your life, your plan for your life. The, not to harm you, to give you hope and a future, to prosper you. He's told Jesus, go heal all. Jesus healed all. He said, I'm only doing what I see the Father do. He healed all. He cast, he bore all sickness, all diseases. Then he commanded and commissioned us. Now go heal all. If he approved of any sickness or a d- disease as his will for your life, don't you think he would have mentioned that? That Jesus could only heal those according to God's will that weren't, wasn't God's will to keep sick. Right? He would have given us that limitation as well. When you go around, uh, yeah, I want you to heal all except those that I want sick according to my will. No. But see, when we start these random thoughts and not controlling our thoughts how we think that is the devin devil's playground devin's playground that's devin's playground i know sorry i saw him out of the corner of my eye <laughs> that is the devil's playground he loves those random thinking you know, just loosey goosey type thoughts going through your mind because, like Pastor Neal said, you know, a hundred times I love it that he will flood you with truth to float one truth to float one lie. He did it with Jesus when he was tempting him. Start quoting the word at the word that became flesh, but would just put one little thing in there. Did God really say that? Come on. You know, he used this to teach so-and-so a lesson in the Bible, so you probably take control. As a matter of fact, Second Corinthians 10.5 says, We take captive. Who does? We take captive every thought and make it obedient to God. God, take your thought captive and make it line up if it doesn't line up get it out if it doesn't line up with the word get it out that can't be true test your thoughts and the second one yep we're only going to get through the first two we'll look at the next two next week Which, by the way, that was 2 Corinthians 10.5. I don't know if I told you that. We'll go back to that one in just a minute. So set how you think, set how you think, how you think, which is you're going to think from the mind of Christ with God's wisdom. That's what he's promised. You have the mind of Christ. You want wisdom? Ask it. God will give it liberally to you without finding fault. God, I don't know what I'm supposed to do about this. Ask him. Do you think he knows what you're supposed to do with this? Yeah! So instead of calling up ten of your friends to tell them about your problems and then just pray for me, just pray for me, how about you just ask God? I mean, yeah, they can pray for you. Yes, that's great. But it seems like, never mind. I'm not going there. Back up. I'm backing up. Thank you, Lord. You set a guard on my mouth. All right. And the next thing is that? How you see. If how you see military call it their vantage point. They have to find a good vantage point. Why? Because how they see determines what they see. How you see determines what you see. Uh... Sniper, for instance, needs to find out how he's going to see the situation he's supposed to be overlooking, right? Or monitoring. So he's going to look around and say, right there, that position right there is how I'm going to see the best. Then when he gets up to that point, he can look back down on it and now... How he sees determines what he sees. You understand that uh, a few people in a, uh, uh, on the corner in town, right? Standing around. There's different... Actually, there is a movie called Vantage Points. Sorry, my mind goes to movies all the time. And the movie actually took you through the different vantage points and everybody was seeing something different. I think that was a military movie. I just love military movies. Anyway. But how you see determines what you'll see. And we need to. So how? What are you talking about? How we see? Set how you see? Heaven's perspective. Ephesians says that he has seated us with him in heavenly realms. There's a difference when the problems come, which again, they will just in case you didn't know that problems will come in your life for you to see from the midst of your problem looking up to heaven, don't you see what I'm going through? And seeing your problems seated with Christ in heavenly realms, looking down on the problem. And now you're at the right hand of Jesus, who's at the right hand of the Father. And you turn and look and you... you, you, you. Duh! All things. He is over all things. He has given us power and authority over all things. And now we're looking at our problem from a different vantage point. And now we're going to see our problem differently. You're not bigger than I am. Because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. How I see my problem determines what my problem looks like to me. Remember when Israel was going into the promised land, they made that statement. I mean, come on. It was the promised land. God said, I will give this land to you. I am going before, although, I mean, they got all the way there. And, you know, the cloud and the fire and night and the, you know, the army and the water and the collapse and, and the no shoes, you know, the, the food and the, every, I, they're there. But when they sent in the spies and came back again, their comment was, we looked like grasshoppers in our own eyes. about David, Israel's army and one giant. You know, we look we retell that story all the time like the giant. There was a whole stinking army. Israel's army. One giant and yet they were all cowering. Why? they saw themselves, not as they're, God's calling them to be my mighty army. He called them that. You are mine, my mighty army. But they, oh, I don't know if I can just see how you see your problems determine what your problems look like to you. Second Peter one three, write these down. By his divine power, we have been given everything we need to live a godly life. Luke ten nineteen, Jesus said, Behold, I give you authority to trample on scorpions and snakes and spiders and make sure you remind Krista this is in the Bible, to trample on them, not to set them free. <laughs> anyway, sorry. And, he says, and, so I've given you authority to tramp on all these creepy, cruddy things that tend to bug you. Right? It's play on words. No pun intended. No, it was a... But he says, I also give you authority over all the power of the enemy. All the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. 2 Corinthians 10, we read that the end of this verse earlier about taking the the thoughts captive. Listen, verses 4 and 5 says, The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they, they what? They, the weapons we've been given, have divine power. So like the, what is that little hammer thing of Thor? You know? They had divine power, right? I know you're like, she's going off a movie again. I don't know what she's talking about. Well, a quarter of you know what I'm talking about. Divine power! The weapons he's given us, already given us, have his divine power in them to demolish so strongholds. And it doesn't say some strongholds. Only these strongholds, but not these strongholds. All strongholds. They in themselves, the, the weapons, have the power to demolish. You have been given Thor's hammer and all you have to do is hold it. And it does all this for you. <laughs> Did it say anything that my arm needs to be strong enough to yield that weapon? No. The weapon itself has all the power in it to demolish. I love that. Annihilate. Demolish. Totally obliterate. Obliterate. Whatever. Strongholds. It goes on to say, we. Who's we? Us. Not him. He's given that to us. He's given us the weapons that have the divine power to demolish arguments. Arguments are always over what? Wrong thinking. You think one way, I think the other way. Right? They demolish all arguments because what is the truth? Boom. It doesn't matter your opinion of the truth. doesn't matter what you think the truth says. It's what does the truth say. The weapons we've been given have the divine power in them to demolish all these arguments. Well, I believe this. Well, I believe this. Well, I don't believe this. And I don't believe that. I don't care. He don't care. He says, I've given you the truth right here. What does it say? And, he goes on to say, and every pretension, remember a pretension is an allegation of accusing, accusing, uh, what's the word I wrote down here? Oh, doubtful value, sorry, an allegation of doubtful value. If it inspires a doubt, well, I don't know, I mean, that's okay for so-and-so, but not okay for me, that's a pretension. It's an allegation of doubtful value. If it inspires you to doubt the truth, it's a pretension. And it needs to be demolished. Well, so if you start, and you know, I'm going to explain this just because we all, it's just human. We get into a situation where it's unknown why this is happening or why this did happen or whatever. So we want to start trying to reason out, right? Figure out what's, what, you know, what's going wrong, what did go wrong, and why did this happen. And if it starts bringing thoughts of doubt, Well, God, you must have wanted this to happen, I guess. The sickness must have been from you for them to have died. And, you know, well, God, and, you know, maybe you want me, you know, penniless, you know, because I can't seem to hold on to any money. It's a pretension, it places doubt in you against the Word of God. And that's exactly what he goes on to say. Demolish the strongholds. Demolish the arguments. Demolish the pretensions. Anything. Anything that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Anything. So you need to reel it back, and then it goes on to say, and then take captive every thought and make it obedient. You need to reel it back and make sure your thoughts line up with the word of God. And I say it frequently when people ask me, yeah, but this situation, and why do you think this happened? I don't know. But I do know (laughs) God has good plans for us, plans to prosper us, not to harm us, a hope and a future. That his will is good and pleasing and perfect. That Jesus died and took upon himself all disease, all sickness, all pain. And he nailed it to the cross. He stripped the enemy of all His authority. And he sets in heavenly realms and he scoops us up and sets us with him. And we are more than conquerors in Jesus Christ. And we have the strength of God and greater is he that's in me. I'll start telling my thoughts what to think. Why? Because I'm demolishing those pretensions, any allegation that might put doubt in my mind or somebody else's. I don't know about you, but I cannot stand being pushed around. And I didn't. This didn't click until this morning with me. When I was in school, I wasn't the bully, but I w- felt I was the defender of anybody that was getting pushed around, and I got into a whole lot of trouble. Usually with the schools or the cops and carries like, mm-hmm, yeah, you know, if somebody else was getting pushed around, I was coming to the rescue. And it usually wasn't a nice thing. I didn't realize that that was being, I'm not saying that was God doing that because I was a mean, wicked person. But that heart has not changed in me. I don't like getting pushed around by a defeated enemy. And I don't like it when I see God's children being pushed around by a defeated enemy. He has no power. Power over you, his child, he has no authority over you, his child. The only thing he can do is paint your problem to look bigger than you they 're facades it 's just a lie. Jesus is the king, the lion of Judah. Right? Yeah. Who sits victorious? Yes, right? Yeah. Satan says he roams around like a roaring lion. Have you ever i I've got movies on my mind today. I'm sorry. Have you ever seen the movie Lion King? Simba and the Wicked Scar. Right? Wasn't that the uncle? Not Simba. What's his dad's name? Mufasa. Ooh, say it again. Sorry. Mufasa. Right? Mighty Mufasa. He didn't have to pretend to be strong. He was strong. He didn't roam around like a lion. He was the lion. Right? What did Scar do? right? Weak. Come on. I'm tired of us getting pushed around by a weak little lion. I'm not, I'm not playing around anymore. I mean, the the staff has heard it and the the team has heard it in pre-service prayer and, you know, at staff meeting, I am so sick and tired of powerless prayers. That's why we've redone the way that we're doing altars ministry. Because we're not going to come around and pray, Oh, God, just bless them. Oh, God, just bless them. Oh, God, help them. You know? We're going to get specific. And we're going to wait and see your miracle happen. Why? Because we are more than conquerors in him. I can do all things through Christ who gives me his strength. Come on, people, we don't need to keep getting pushed around by a weak little lion. You're like, oh, don't call him that. He is. But it's how we think and it's how we see are the first two disciplines, and next week we'll get into the next two Oh, I didn't even start to tell you. Okay, so how we, how we see from heaven's perspective on your problems, and then as I'm closing now, yeah, is how you see other people. That's just as important. All right? Again, it, yes, it's heaven's perspective. But it, the Bible says to regard no man according to the flesh any longer. Why? When you give your life to God... You're his child. He gives us this ministry of reconciliation. Did I write down the scripture somewhere? Yeah, 2 Corinthians five, sixteen through 20. His, it says that it was through Christ that God was reconciling the world to himself. And then as Christ is seated and Christ gave us the commission to go into all, preach the good news, he gave us the message of reconciliation so that we are speakers of that message calling his children home. How you see people, you better be seeing them all, not just the good ones, all as his children. And you better be regarding them as you want somebody else to regard your children. You know, I had somebody come to me one time and laid out a case against this one individual and wanted me to basically pronounce this judgment on this one individual. And God quickened my heart with his wisdom. And I asked one simple question. Would you want that same judgment if that was your child? changes our entire outlook, doesn't it? Oh, no. I want you to have mercy and compassion. Oh! Oh! We're all his children. Yes. Even the drunker. Yes. Even the abuser. Yes. Everyone is his child. Some are just the prodigals still needing to come home. I've got prodigals as my children. Do you think I want other people to regard them as, you know, heathen, horrible, you know? Send them to hell. No. Come on. So let's regard, let's see other people that same way. We're all God's children. How you see. All right, I'm stopping here. So would you stand? Again, I told you, and we'll do just like we did last week, and we'll continue on. We're opening the altars. This is not your time to leave. We are not dismissing you. We are not closing the service. After we have a time at the altar, the team will come back up, and we'll close with a final song. We'll also take time if there's any miracles and testimonies right away. We want to hear about them right away. If there's people that still need prayer. We're going to pray for them. But you're not dismissed until after that last song because we've already we've we've come into His presence with praise and worship and thanksgiving. He filled up our heart by the power of his Holy Spirit to receive the word that was spoken and now Jesus promises to confirm his word with miracles, signs and wonders and then when he performs the miracles, signs and wonders why would we want to leave without thanking him for them So we're going to stay around to corporately thank him that you've already got the answer. If we haven't seen it yet, it's coming because we believe your word, period. You said it, period. So set how you think. Set how you think. With the mind of Christ and with the wisdom of God and you will be transformed into a new man be walking in the good perfect and pleasing will of god at all times why by changing how you think and set how you see from heaven's perspective looking down at my problems over my problems that there is a light at the end of this tunnel, that he is walking through these things with me. And as long as I keep going and I go well, perseverance will finish its perfect work in me. And I will, at that other end, be mature, complete, not lacking anything. And I'll see how, I'll set how I see other people, that I see other people as God's children. Are worthy, deserving, needing, complete healing, complete forgiveness, complete love. And again next week we'll discuss what you say and what you do. But these spiritual disciplines must be set as unmovable in your life to keep you on course to make it through it all. Let me ask you, is, is there anybody here that says, I feel like I've been battling this problem and yes, it, it, it's felt like it's been over me, overwhelming me at times. Is that you? I've been battling this problem, I just, it's been overwhelming at times. you almost feel as if it's bigger than you i know you're thinking all oh, you know i know i'm not supposed to but i do there's no shame in admitting yes <laughs> yep you ever you ever feel like you're constantly in a fight with the enemy Either with your finances, your family, maybe the voices in your head, your own stinking thinking. That you're constantly in a fight. Is that you? Yeah. Well, we're going to... We're not just gonna pray with you, we're gonna believe with you and you're gonna get victory today. And I know that there's a few people I already talked about about getting at the altar today because you're going through a situation, health situation or family situation, your breakthrough is already here. Your breakthrough is already here. So we're opening up the altars. I've asked the staff, the altar workers to come up, but the ones that, come on, you raise your hand or maybe you didn't feel like you needed to raise your hand, but you need to be up here, come on. And nobody's released right now. Come on. We're going to believe with you. Your breakthrough's already here. Just start praying for them. They're going to ask you specific questions. They're going to help you uh, align it with the truth. And then you both can then agree. And we're to agree on one thing. It is done. Right? We're to agree on one thing. It is done.